Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. And that means it's time for us. I'm David Faber, along with Jim Cramer. Carl has the morning off, and this is, of course, Squawk on the Street. Happy to have you all join us. Uh, by the way, speaking of joining us, Larry Kudlow will be our guest later in the hour. Uh, Jim will be leading that one. Always good to hear from our old, co- old colleagues. Certainly plenty to discuss with him, Jim. But let's start off on the broader markets this morning, as we often do at this time, as you give a look here at what's coming up in a half hour when we open. Kind of a mixed bag, but we are talking about new potential highs for the S&P, Jim. Are you a believer still? I think that what's happened is it's been a broadening out. Now, the question is, is there enough money to go around to buy 3M today? And also buy, let's just use, let's just pick NVIDIA, okay? Uh, And the answer is that's to be determined. Uh, There is a lot of newer money coming into the market. Uh, We'll be talking about splits later today and the, the, the nature of the alchemy of it all. But the thing that I'm most, most excited about, David, is that there are industrials that are doing better than expected. And we have to stay focused on that because when we think about 3M making a comeback, think about where they were. And that is the, you know, that is the archetype. Okay? And they're having some good numbers yep. this morning. That's what stood out to me. And it makes me think that the industrial leg must be included in any portfolio. That's stock so It's only up two. Yeah, you're referencing, Are you kidding me? What is that? You're referencing... But yeah, that's that's the stock uh, you're referencing. 3M. We should just tell people uh, they're giving us we monthly sales numbers. And July was up, I think, six percent year on year, two point eight billion. Organic local currency sales or uh, up three percent. Right. Because don't forget, of course, that weak dollar helps them. Uh, net of divestitures, uh, and you like it, uh, obviously. Twenty nine percent in healthcare, not a surprise there. But other businesses as well. Nine percent consumer, six percent in safety and industrial. Electronics were down seven percent. Big in PPE. Uh, the tell on this was that when they ended their last conference call, Tusa, Steve Tusa from uh, J.P. Morgan, said some good things. And he had yep. not said good things before. And that's when you needed, you know, you, you caught 10 if you just went with his, uh, with Tusa's just slight change. David, does it matter that Mr. Roman, who runs the company, is an exceedingly nice, good guy that you root for? Does it matter? <laughs> Uh, well, sometimes nice guys finish first. Uh, I don't know, uh, but he is, and uh, we're always happy to have him. There are still those liability questions, Jim. I they know, come up and in if every the interview, come they in. come up uh, in every conference call no. that he has. I know. And uh, Barry, one time they had it on uh, footnote 64. Uh, but remember, it was at least in the footnotes. And while I was fond of Inga Tulin, the, the previous CEO, it was never talked about. And I started thinking that Mike Roman got a real bad hand. And he's augmenting the hand. And I think that that should be applauded. He did say that July was starting to go well. Putting out this release shows me the momentum is shifting and 3M's a buy. But in part, David, because the industrials are getting much more love. United Rentals this morning gets love. Have you seen the transports of late? 
Yep, showing signs of life. That PPG number, remember, oh, in terms of also cars and paint for cars? It was, even though that it was, was very European strong. cars, mostly going to China, David, it yeah. did set a fire under one of your favorites, DuPont. And I say that because Ed Breen has been a deal maker par excellence, and I know you've always followed him, and I, th- I would like to think that you've respected a lot of things that he's done. Without a doubt. Of course, I remember Ed from well prior to his taking over Tyco uh, and followed him for a long time, as I know you have. Jim, coming back to the macro here, we did get jobless claims. They came in, thankfully, less than had been anticipated. So better, in a sense, uh, a bit, uh, which is great. But um, the market seems to be shrugging off the possibility that we don't get something out of Congress in terms of uh, another another huge swath of money for relief. Now, whether it's a trillion or two and a half or three trillion, we don't know. But clearly, you have to think that investors believe something's going to happen there. Otherwise, it's hard to imagine the stocks, uh, the stock market keeps going up. Uh, I think I don't want to say it's impossible to imagine because, again, the brunt of the pain is being borne on companies that don't trade. So you see a 3M, 3M is a big international company where things are turning. But when you see uh, the local restaurants that are in federal realty shopping centers, David, when it gets cold, it's just not a great time to eat outside. A lot of the restaurants in the country have been very, uh, let's say, resourceful. And the resourcefulness will end when it gets cold. The hotel business. I know Arnie Sorensen. We all love Arnie Sorensen, CEO of Marriott. He was optimistic. But, you know, David, off such a low base. So I agree with you that it is hard to believe that this momentum can continue without another version of PPP. Now, I believe Larry Kudlow will talk about a capital gains cut. That has been one of Larry's uh, arrows in his quiver. I question whether that's what this market needs. But I think he may go a step further and say, you know what? It doesn't need anything. And if the Democrats won't give his team anything, you know what? We're fine because the momentum's back in the market. And they do tend to think that the stock market is allied with how the economy is really doing. And I think you and I know better. And we did. Yeah. And I look forward to you questioning him strongly about that. Well, so many other things there, to David, talk to Larry every, about Every time well. I've ever spoken to Larry, you've jumped in and kind of didn't give me back I the have. ball. You, you know, it was third and ten. Ha- you, well, got the t- you got the first down, and then you carried completely. Uh, uh, yeah, well, you know, the last time we, I talked to him was relatively contained, and I did come back at him. That was, that was March, I believe. Uh, so it's been a while for relatively me and Larry. Relatively contained. Uh, Is that what you thought? Relatively contained? No, With I didn't respect, remember, David. if you recall. I, I did give him an all-due-respect, and I actually, yeah, I think I got a little... Uh, Got a little uh, uppity with him, so to speak. But he took it, as he always does, the gentleman that he is. All right, let's move on, though, Jim, to some other stocks that we're keeping an eye on. Let's talk Cisco a bit, because the stock is going to be down this morning. You had Chuck Robbins join you after earnings. Um, let's actually listen to what he said on his uh, a part of his interview on Mad Money, just sort of a general his general take on where things stand right now. There's a lot of uncertainty around what happens from here. A lot of uncertainty about do we get this pandemic under control? I mean, some of the countries that have opened up around the world have have now begun to slowly close back down a little bit because of reemergence of the virus. So there's still a lot of uncertainty. But, you know, we did see strength in our service provider business in Europe and Asia. We saw strength in the very high end of enterprise and federal, as we discussed. What do you make of it all, uh, Jim? The numbers and obviously from your interview with uh, with Chuck. Two takeaways. The first is, is that 
while the highest end is good, the small, medium-sized business is not that good, and that's what we're talking about. They're not ordering. The second is it's very rare that you have someone who's loved, who's not the CEO, who is powerful to the company. And Kelly Kramer, no relation, KK, uh, CFO, is loved. Five years at the job, uh, the street loved her. Uh, one of the most, perhaps the most candid and intelligent CFO I've met in my time. I've got the privilege of having to know her. And her retirement stunned people. Stunned. Because she's true north, uh, out of GE, by the way, uh, just a loved person. And you'll talk to big accounts on the, on the buy side and they'll say, Kelly said it's okay. Kelly said it's okay. And Chuck is such a gent. It was always very uh, horizontal with Kelly. And so that took people by surprise. But uh, there's not a lot of business being done at the small, medium size, and that matters. Remember, Chuck's business is enterprise, not consumer. So you don't want to necessarily uh, conflate the two, but it was downbeat. Uh, and, to, you know, it's somewhat painful because Chuck's another guy you root for, and they just don't have the level of business that you want because of all the reasons that you and I talk about. You're just, they're underfunded, small, medium-sized business. And that's what I think is the Achilles heel of this economy. Interesting. Um, something else was brought to my attention from the call uh, by a couple of investors, Jim, which was, and I'll read it to you. Okay. Uh, I want to get your take. They were talking about software, SaaS software, and they said if you do the math on where software in our portfolio was five years ago, what percentage of it was coming from subscription and SaaS, I don't know. We've certainly increased it significantly. Uh, this is Chuck Robbins over the last four or five years without any major, major revenue driving acquisitions. So that would certainly help. And we continue, as I said earlier, to look at alternatives in that space. And you should assume we will continue to look at them but will also be disciplined. So some people talking to the po- about the possibility of them, you know, they've been an acquirer through the years, looking at SaaS companies, perhaps not that large. I'm not sure how that's being played in the market as a positive or a negative, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, it was. Now they're 51%. They're about a year ahead of their goal uh, for SaaS. I was hoping they would buy Datadog. Now, I know, I wish they didn't call it Datadog because that, you know, that's like my dog that I named NVIDIA. I mean, there should be, you know, they ought to, they ought to, like, up their game. But I know that, that Chuck's always on the prowl. They do have a lot of cash. I think the, the issue, David, is the, the the SaaS stocks are still very, very high. You'd have to buy somebody private. Uh, what's holding up better than anything, and the ones that, that people are most concerned about in this market, are the incredible multiple-to-sales companies that Chuck would need to buy in order to augment that uh, 51%. And he's way too disciplined to do that. Way too disciplined. Uh, yeah. But he, and he needs more is business. the word he used. Right. He right. needs more business. Uh, so, yeah, if, you've, if you couple those high valuations with a disciplined buyer, you don't typically end up with a lot of deals, which exactly. we know. By the way, that comes in a lot of different shapes well, and sizes. David. Speaking of bankers, for example, in healthcare, Big Pharma continues to want to look at biotech companies. We know that they will pay huge numbers for them. But they're so high right now, Jim, that many are just saying, I can't get that. Done. Are you doing is this like a segue? Are we like a team? Because, you know, we got to talk about we Thermo Fisher. Thermo Fisher. We incredible. are a team, and you and I can read each other's mind, I think, sometimes. I have all these years of working together. Because it's funny, in the Thermo Fisher-Kyogen deal, which is now off, because Kyogen did not get what it needed into the tender. Remember, it's a German company, Dutch law, very different than our own. Right. They needed 66% of shareholders to tender. They had raised their bid from 39 to 43 euros. It wasn't enough. They got about 47%. A big hedge fund, Davis and Kempner, was against it. There was a belief that other bidders would come forward. 
And to the point I think you were getting at, there seemed to be unrealistic expectations of what ultimately Thermo would pay, which you could argue writ large is what we're seeing in the stock market. You're so right. I mean, I I go back and forth with with Mark Casper, who's a terrific executive, by the way, big supplier of the uh, uh, and a good supplier uh, of the kind of machines you need to measure COVID. And he's saying to me, look, you know, that they've been playing a leading role in supporting the COVID-19 response for governments, customers, biotech. But most importantly, they are disciplined deployer of capital in order to create the significant value for shareholders. David, you can't be a disciplined buyer if you get these yeah. hard to uh, negotiate deals that are so expensive. I, th- I thought wow. the Thermo Fisher, when it started this, was paying too much. And Mark Casper uh, just completely verified. Look at that stock. If we have a chart of what, know. What, the wealth. Why is Kyogen? Fantastic. Oh, it's incredible. Thermo Fisher, 10 years, is always worth looking at in terms of value creation. Although I'm a, Kaijin's up, which is kind of surprising. Wait, what is and it? again, remember, it's Abbott euros to dollars. So I the, said 39.43. Emerson's yeah. not buying um, them. They do not have buying a, them. No, they do have a business. As we know some of their businesses at Kaijin suffered as a result of COVID. Others, uh, uh, wow, look at oh that. Oh, my God, That's look incredible. at that. That's incredible. That's what you want. How's yeah. your index fund doing? No, you can't. You can never pick that, you see, because there's single stock risk. And our viewers are too dumb to isolate the company. that's the number one uh, medical equipment company in the country. Yep. Um, You know, back to Kajin for a second. They do sell a component that's used in COVID tests. So they benefited in that part of their business. But somewhat surprising to see that stock not breaking down this morning. I know. Um, I'll look into that a bit more. Finally, Jim, before we uh, hit a quick break here. I did want to go to you on Tesla, which just had an incredible day yesterday on the news of an expected five for one split. There are other stocks that you mentioned yesterday that you think should similarly undertake such splits. I certainly think they might if they can get the kind of uh, uh, market cap accretion that Tesla got. Remember, again, you're not actually creating any new value from splitting a stock. You're just creating more shares. No, it's alchemy. And I said that at the top of my show last night that I'm that I'm in favor of alchemy. And the reason is because there are a large number of new investors, uh, 13 million strong, by the way, at Robinhood, brought in by no commissions. And they like exactly those stocks that are there. But they say, I, I can't buy I can't buy that. It's too high. Now, obviously, David Tesla is not too high. The price, the dollar price is too high. But they, we remember the days when PepsiCo would report and they would boost the dividend and give you a three for one because it's at 134. And people would cheer. And splits used to be rewards. They're cheaper rewards than boosting the dividend or doing a buyback. But then the big institutions took over. They didn't want to pay more. Per, they, didn't, they have to buy more shares. They got to, they got to pay more commission. And, David, the individual. Left. The individual is so back that I believe, and you know I have to get his name in because of the of the Penn National Gaming uh, recommendation go. from Goldman Sachs, yes. Yes. That the Portnoy factor. David, I have no complaints with Portnoy. I'm aware. All right, that's twice. I know you mentioned him no, in Squawk Box as well. You know well. what? That's a reference. Do you to, get right? paid? Do you get paid you, on the mention? Is that no? I'm but kidding. that's the reference. Like, I get paid by I'm the kidding. Philip Roth estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Portnoy complaint. You know, that oh, one. yeah. You know what? That's what? actually not that far. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for sale, by the way, in, uh, in Warren, Connecticut. Philip it, Ross yes, I looked at it. I looked um, at it, my wife, him. and I looked at yeah. it. We said, what do we do? We buy Philip Ross' yeah. place, then we want to flip it. It's like Jim Carrey's place. Who cares? You know, American Pastoral yeah. 2. Best book ever. Oh, Best book ever human, other than Anna Stain, Karenina. Human, they call human me the Stain Swede. An incredible book, too. You're the best. Lev. Lev. Um... <laughs> 
All right, we'll get more on the speculative nature of the stock market. We'll reminisce about the late 90s again when we talk about Tesla. There'll be more time. Let's take a quick break here. Do want to talk a bit about Apple on the other side of this. And don't forget, of course, Larry Kudlow will be joining us, National Economic Council Director, a bit later in the show. Apple said to be writing a series of bundles that will let customers subscribe to several of its digital services at a lower monthly price. There's a look at the stock. Sources telling Bloomberg is reporting this, that the bundles dubbed Apple One are planned to launch as early as October, uh, along with the next line of the iPhone. Bundles will include video, news, music, fitness, gym. Not a surprise if, in fact, true. Can't tell you. We haven't uh, confirmed, but... uh, not a surprise. I mean, when you think about it, uh, even Amazon Prime, I think sometimes people forget it comes along with music and entertainment. Right. I can't tell you how many times I told uh, Tim Cook, have you looked at uh, making an acquisition in this particular space? And Tim has always said that they will be studied, find out what's best for the customer, what the customer wants, and then they will expand. And uh, wow. You know what, David? If everyone had that strategy... I think there'd be a, a stock still be a lot higher because there are CEOs who have confidence in themselves and their people. Tim Cook has a tremendous level of confidence, but still runs scared. He started this. He is going to end up being a titan in this industry uh, with some very good people, someone to watch. Look at Spotify, by the way. It, it just in terms of what you can create, uh, that can beckon. Apple can do that. There are some very good people on podcasts for Apple. Look, David, they're just really good at what they do. And I think they're, no one's really jealous of Tim because he doesn't carry himself that way. But you have to be impressed with this, too. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to the entertainment offering, Jim, listen, early on, of course, we were saying how you know, it was not robust at all. The library was barely anything. Um, but they have been spending real money yes. um, on securing movie rights, uh, TV rights. They have been spending It'll be a slow ramp, but that seems to be fine from Apple's perspective. Yeah, they've got plenty of time. But remember, their, their true north is the customer. And they want to be sure of what the consumer wants. They're as focused on this as they are on what will happen in China and WeChat. They, they have the ability to be able to uh, do a lot of things at once, multitask at once. But this is something to watch. And we're going to be talking about this as a force next year at this time. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, though, you do mention China, which you always have to consider, particularly given the state of affairs between our country and that country. And that that possibility, as remote as it might seem, certainly not as remote as it once did during the heat of even of the trade war, Jim, that China does take some action against U.S. corporations that do a lot of business in that country. I think that the president is keeping the heat on. I expect uh, more negatives uh, about China coming out next week. You do? Yes, I do. Uh, By the way, that's something we're going to talk to Larry Kudlow about. He'll join us uh, in about 15 or so minutes from now. Hang with us on Squawk on the Street. We've got an opening bell and a mad dash coming up. All right. uh, Here's a look at how we're going to open seven. Well, you can see it's six minutes from now. NASDAQ will uh, open higher, it appears, and the S&P lower. All right. Let's get to a mad dash as we uh, count you down to the opening bell three minutes from now. The company I'm told you're going to focus on, one you really have just loved, Jim. I mean, really, you've just thrown so much love their way for so long. I, I really don't know how you could do even more. Um, I'm changing my tune. <laughs> no, I have really? hated, I've hated this company. I've hated this company and the company's yes. Occidental. 
Uh, when oil was at $37, uh, wow. But there's a very, com- I mean, minus 37, sorry. David, there's a very compelling piece by J.P. Morgan uh, it, where they go from sell to hold. And they say it's now in no man's land. I, I think that's true. They've been able to do a refinancing that takes the pressure off. Uh, I don't think that this is the level to buy it. But I do point out that it's not, it, it, it's, they're no longer uh, going to have the oxygen turned off. Uh, if oil stays at this level, they, can, they have some maneuverability. They have one rig going. It's been a complete disaster since they bought Anadarko. Chevron stock has, uh, has thrived since they passed on Anadarko at these prices. It's been poorly run, but, David, even a dog has its day. And today's, this day's, this dog's day. O-X-Y. Really? How long? How, how, will that just be 24 hours or will it extend beyond uh, an actual day? No, tomorrow we don't trade. Uh, but yeah, well, I just think I think the 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 risk of bankruptcy has been uh, largely diminished, David. Yeah, well, yeah, there's no dividend to speak of. Remember, it used mean, to be the dividend uh, point. Yeah, if, if oil yeah. goes up, it's still very sensitive to oil. David, how how many times did I come out on this show and beg Holland mm-hmm. not to do that deal? Beg you not did. to do the Anadarko deal. And I was willing to forego the, uh, the investment banking fee. Uh, it, it was incredible. Yep. Uh, do you think Greg Lemkow, my buddy over at Goldman, would ever, would ever forego it the way I was willing to? How- well, the best bankers will say no, uh, but they are few and far uh, in number. Uh, you know, they're about the long-term nature of the relationship. It can help when you actually tell a CEO not to do something. It doesn't happen very often. Well, but I, but I mentioned Greg because and- Greg is one of the guys who would say no if he felt things were. My yeah, uh, My. he's a good man. He's a good man. Mr. Really? Cow. That's high praise from, a, yeah, from sure. a curmudgeon like you. It is. It is indeed. You're right. Um, they should not have done the Anadarko deal. No. I think we can all agree to that. No, Certainly not at the price that they did. And of course, if you pointed out so many times, Mike Worth, who had the deal in hand at Chevron, walked away. Vicky Holub came over the top uh, and increased and did so many other things. Warren Buffett's still getting paid, though, isn't he? I think he's still yeah, getting his, was, uh, he, he did well. his number on that. On he that. did well on yeah. that, as he tends to do. Yep. Yep. As he tends to do. Uh, all right. You hear the applause building, of course, Jim. We can take a look at our real-time exchange back where you are at our headquarters. Uh, as uh, you hear the opening bells this morning at the NYSE celebrating its IPO today. KE Holdings. Yes, Jim, it's a Chinese online property platform. Oh, We're going to have the CFO when that stock opens. Isn't that great? Uh, and you can see as well. Just so yeah, great. Yeah, well, to you be... and Kudlow can, can share your disdain and <laughs> no, your, no, Larry's your, not uh, be nearly... your desire to not allow Chinese companies to have access to our capital markets. We'll ask. I know plenty of bankers, at least, who are not, uh, not going to like that, not to mention our friends at the NYSE. But, yeah. Or my friends, uh, Peter Navarro who uh, shares with me, a, a, let's say, a, uh, a desire to make it so that the Chinese can't come over here, offer really horrendous deals, take our money and run. It's just, you know, it's Steve Miller meets uh, uh, the Communist Party. Take our money. I mean, money moves all over the planet. Money is global. The fact is that Ant Financial will probably be the, all, the biggest IPO of all time. I know. They're going to be getting money from here. They're just not listing here. No, that's true. And remember, the uh, MSCI, they'll be included in the index and everybody will own it if you own international stocks and uh, so much money is, is indexed. I don't know. I'm, 
I, I look, you know how I feel about these companies, David. Uh, you know, it, it, lock in. OK, lock in. Lock in. Remember that? The yeah. Chinese Starbucks? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yes. Did I you do. like that one? How'd that do yes. for you? Uh, that did not work out very well for those who were long stocks. What kind of financials did they have? Do you know how pressured I was who... by bankers to say good things about Luckin mm-hmm. on our show? I told them to talk to the hand, yep. but it wasn't in person because of the pandemic. Uh, and no, you're right. It is. Listen, there is a lack of transparency in some of these. There's a difficulty in really ascertaining what's going on in the ground. Uh, there's no doubt. But at the same time, I don't know. Alibaba's going to report earnings next week. You uh, got a problem the, with them? The I mean, their Chinese. business is largely in China, but they trade here. You're talking about a six hundred ninety billion dollar market cap company, Jim. And they do offer anyone who's shopped on there uh, for commercial purposes. The bargains are incredible. Uh, and th- David, you introduced me to that company. Uh, I have great respect for it. Uh, the financials are very much American. I did not have the respect for it until you told me, sit down with these guys and understand them. And I felt very compelled to say, this is a winner. But that was you. Uh, and it, yeah, and it has been. Uh, it's up about 20% this year, of course, as the Chinese consumer has come back uh, to play. Let's not forget they do own 33% of the aforementioned Ant Financial which was just kind of taken away from the company, if you recall, from shareholders. I mean, shareholders are still very angry about that uh, from years ago, where they just sort of, I mean, the word they use is stole it. Uh, But, uh, hey, David, don't uh, you find it? There is a controlling holder, uh, although I'm not quite sure what his his actual economics are. We're going to see the prospectus probably not that long on Ant Financial. That'll be an interesting one. Oh, no, we got to watch it. David, would Mal or Joe, Joe and Lai, how would they feel about Singles Day? They were... Yeah, kind of communist. <laughs> and Singles Day, which is the day that yeah. you buy Ali, you know, buy Alibaba to bet on, is it's not something that Joe and Lai. I just don't think great a great leader. Um, yes. Maybe. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Deng Xiaoping. Uh, maybe no, he was I a shopper. Deng Xiaoping. He turned things around. Yeah, capitalist um, rotor. Remember Mao's wife, capitalist rotor. Remember we used to talk about mm-hmm. those. That was really in college when I took yes. those seven courses on Marxism, of which, by the way, I did really well. Do we have Larry on? Um, yeah, well, this ahead. is fantastic. David, true treat. Joining us now, National Economic Council director and former partner of mine of Cudlow and Kramer, Larry Cudlow. Larry, it is always great to see you. And first of all, how are you feeling? Uh, things good? And because of this pandemic, I know you're an upbeat guy. It's certainly not the kind of thing that... Uh, suits you. Uh, well, you're right about that, Jimmy. It's good to be back with you and David and the others. Jimmy, those Marxist classes did not wear off on you. <laughs> they did not. I just, you know, you're a, you're a wealth guy. You're an American patriot guy when we work together and you still are. Um, look at on the, the big picture today, I just want to note at the top, uh, very good unemployment claims numbers, initial claims numbers. And, you know, we've been struggling through that because of the hot spots, and they have been holding, you know, around a million. The continuing claims have dropped a lot, but, you know, I wanted to see the uh, initial claims. And so they dropped a lot, about two, what is it, 228. Right. So we're, we're down a million, I think, for the last two weeks. That's a good sign. There's no question that the breakout of the hot spots in the South and the West uh, probably slowed the recovery, at least in those states. No question about it. And I might also add, even with these better 
unemployment numbers, there's still a lot of hardship out there. I, I get that. We have much, much more work to do. But I will say things seem to be trending in the right direction. And, you know, lots and lots of uh, we could talk about this. Different sectors are showing significant recoveries, uh, even despite the hotspot breakouts. And again, we lost some ground, uh, things like restaurants and small business, but not not too bad. So I'm, I'm relatively optimistic on this story. Um, we've done all we can, you know, to persuade people. We send CDC people in the field, Deborah Burks, to these states and said, look, you've just got to proclaim or mandate or just uh, lead mm -hmm. towards masking uh, and distancing and testing where applicable. And, of course, uh, you know, washing your hands and hygiene. No, That's I, the way I, to do it. Completely agree. I do want to know, given the the uh, the drop in the jobless claims and some of the momentum I'm seeing in companies. And I, I'm going to say, say something that I do not believe in, so people, viewers, don't know that. But is there any chance that you think that we don't need additional stimulus or that we could wait or that we should worry about the limits of the country's borrowing power? Um, I don't think the limits of the borrowing power, Jim, has uh, we have we're not near that yet. OK, uh, look, we're sensitive to the fact that we're doing so much heavy borrowing. But again, with ultra low interest rates, whatever, 60 basis points on the 10 year, um, if you have to borrow. This is the time to borrow. It's an emergency situation. And we have to reinvest that money into the American economy. Uh, everybody, you know, workers, jobless people, working folks, you know, the president's payroll tax cut. I have advocated for that. I'm delighted that we went through with this executive order. I think it's a big help. It's going to give uh, 140 million people an $1,100 wage hike uh, for the last four months of the year. And we were able to uh, use the executive order to help the unemployed. Uh, so there's, with the states and the federal government, either seven or $800. We'll put in 300. The states have already put in 400. If they want to put in another 100, that's terrific. Uh, so we've been able to deal with that. The eviction moratorium. Uh, we are working on that uh, to make sure that we don't have any, uh, any big issues with mortgage bonds and things of that sort or evicted people going to homeless shelters where there's community spread and waiving the student loans, interest and principal, zero rate. I mean, if people have a spare cash, they ought to pay down the loan at a zero rate. But I don't think we're worried about bonding power. Um, whether or not, in terms of your first question, uh, I don't think I, I really want to say much on that. We've acted, President Trump has acted forcefully because we couldn't reach a deal with the Democrats. They're asking too much money, three and a half trillion dollars. We've already spent over three trillion. So much of the uh, Democratic uh, asks are really liberal left wish lists. We don't, we don't want to have vote, you know, voting rights and aid mm -hmm. to uh, aliens mm -hmm. and so forth. That's not our game. And the president can't accept that okay. kind of deal. Well, so we'll I wait and see on the negotiations. Treasury I Secretary Mnuchin is, is uh, working on that. But so far, it's a stalemate. Well, no let, let's take that for a second. Uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin is, uh, like you, uh, optimist. I know he, he, like you, favors small business. Is there possible for a small deal? In other words, something that would carry over the people that you have taught me mean the most toward the strength of the economy, which is that small business person. Do you think that there's a way that a deal could be crafted that would just help those people in the interim? 
Well, I wouldn't mind. So far, it's not there, Jim. <sighs> I wouldn't mind. I mean, you talk about small business, and you're right. Uh, that's the engine of growth. We'd love to extend the uh, payroll protection program. We'd be happy to do that. Um, if you could craft a separate bill for that. Uh, we have had technical you know, changes in, in for our bill, so that could be something. Uh, there's no question that that would be helpful as a backstop. The other thing, Jimmy, is we got $105 billion earmarked uh, in our uh, asks for school openings related to you know, any COVID improvements that are necessary to get the schools open, get the kids back to school. Uh, they have a very, very low case rate, as you know. Um, we'd love to get that through. I mean, we actually had a higher ask than the Democrats initially. So that's another one, the small business piece and the, um, and the uh, opening school piece. Those are just two areas. There are others that we'd like to see. Uh, Larry, it's David. I think you mentioned it, stalemate. So I want to move on from this for a second and get to something where you might be able to give us a, a little more clarity, which is last week's executive order from the president involving WeChat and TikTok. Specific to WeChat, the journal reporting this morning about a call with a lot of corporations who are asking for clarity because the order basically barred any transaction that is related to WeChat. My guess is you were on that call, although I don't know. Perhaps you could tell us. And can you provide any clarity on what that language actually means? Uh, unfortunately, I can't provide much clarity. And to be honest with you, David, I was not on that call. In fact, I was not aware of that call. In fact, I'm not sure there was a call. All right. Now, it's possible that, you know, one of my colleagues, uh, USTR Commerce Department, might have had such a call. Um, it was not. If, if so, it was not the whole trade principles group. Uh, or any other senior group. So I, I cannot confirm that. Um, the decisions right. are the I mean, decisions. The journal's saying Apple, Ford, Walmart, Walt Disney, yeah. all on the call. But you're saying you're not even sure a call took place or you just don't know? I can't confirm it. I, 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 I don't know. I okay. was not aware of it. I can't confirm it. But the president, on the other side of that question, the TikTok side, um, president yeah. has said clearly he's going to give Microsoft and any other private suitors uh, 45 days, so call it mid-September. That is still open for discussion and open for resolution. Larry, you know, on the TikTok question, Microsoft, as I've reported, still working on a potential transaction. I'm aware of some other potential bidders who've decided not to pursue it. And the reason why is because they just don't know where they fall in terms of uh, the president's like or dislike. Uh, and there's a concern that if he doesn't like you as a company, you're not going to be able to get this. The Larry Kudlow I know would never uh, want something like that, uh, where corporations and their decision making was based on what the president wanted or didn't want in terms of dictating a potential buyer. What do you say to people who have that criticism? Well, I, I don't think that's, you know, a really fair representation of President Trump. And you're right about my view. Look, I, I think, David, on, on this and maybe related matters, there are certain principles that must be adhered to. That's really the issue. It's not so much whether you like this company or you don't like that company. There are certain principles. Uh, among them, among the most important, is the issue of personal information and the degree to which the Chinese government, the Communist Party, uh, has access to that information. You know, millions and millions of lists of people. There are other security issues. Uh, I mean, there have been a lot of meetings that I've been in 
there'll be additional meetings. We have to be secure. So uh, if TikTok moves out or either is purchased by Microsoft or somebody else, uh, or if they just go it alone, and I've seen uh, structures and term sheets on both, um, they have to show us how they can change, repair, and uh, renovate their software plans so that it will be completely secure from the Chinese government. That's the, the key, absolutely the key issue. Um, to my lights, I, I don't believe the president will uh, play a favorite or a non-favorite. I think that's the key security issue with respect to China. You know, they're a tough crowd. Uh, they hack into you. They run through espionage. Uh, they break a lot of promises, uh, particularly in this area, the corporate area. So I would just suggest to you that it's a matter of adhering to the principles of security and um, trustworthy. And that's kind of a software or cloudware problem that we will be exploring in any uh, proposed deal. You're sorry, Larry. The only way that you can assure that we can get out of the, the clutches of, uh, of the Chinese and, and their Trojan horse is to have someone like Microsoft who understands code. I want to talk about something you and I used to endlessly debate. Uh, we wanted lower capital gains and we wanted lower dividend. You always thought that because of the drumbeat that we had, we accomplished that. I completely understand your desire to lower capital gains. Is there any way that if you did that, you could tie it in with investment to help workers? Because it won't do good if we just go buy muni bonds with our capital gains, Larry. Well, you're right, you're right about that last point. Look, um, Actually, you and I had a lot to do with the 2003 capital gains tax cut, as I recall, a heck of a lot. <laughs> Thank um, you. So if you go back, President has been raising the capital gains issue again. He's also raised income tax, a middle class income tax reform, too, in addition to the payroll tax. In the campaign, Jimmy, uh, back in 2015, uh, Mnuchin and I and others around the table, we came up with a plan uh, that included a return to the 15 percent capital gains tax rate. Uh, other parts of the plan had a big reform of the income tax. We had only three brackets, uh, 15, uh, 25, 35, as I recall. Now, um, I think if you do capital gains tax rate right, you know, you, you will have to hold it for a period of time. It will, it absolutely will contribute to big increases in investment, capital investment, and thereby the K over L ratio, the capital to labor ratio goes up and that will enhance productivity and that will enhance real wages. The ads, the advantages of cap gains are very much like the corporate tax cut that we had. And you recall, you know, before the pandemic contraction, the corporate tax cut led over a three year period to a very large increase in the wages of the middle income folks, the blue collar folks, and also the lower, below that, um, the biggest winners from the corporate tax cut actually were the bottom quintiles, Jimmy. So it was never tax cuts for the rich. And this is something that Kevin Hassett and I have always believed in. Uh, now I would make the same case with capital gains. We can look back at them, and I think the history shows, the data show, that the outcomes you want are actually the outcomes that have happened in the past when the capital gains tax rate uh, has uh, been reduced. And it usually produces a big flood of revenues over a period of time with faster growth. So 
I'm not so big on designating uses, but I'm saying your generic points will be met under a lower capital gains. It's very unfortunate. Look, very unfortunate. The Biden team wants to raise the capital gains tax, which operates, as you know, through the corporate tax plus the Obamacare add-on, would be about 50 percent, 50 percent. And I think that's absolutely wrong and would be damaging to the economy and the workforce and middle-class people. President Trump wants to move it down to 15 percent. So there's a very clear contrast between the two. All right. Well, Larry, we're going to have to leave it at that. Uh, please maintain your optimism. It, it Thank is, you. You know, pure joy. I wish you the best of luck, and let's hope we get some sort of agreement. Great to see you, sir. Yes, La thank you. Larry Thanks Cardo, for having me Chief back. Economic Advisor and an old friend of CNBC. Thank you. David, do you have uh, some thoughts? All right. Yeah, uh, interesting, Jim. I mean, I'm not sure we got a lot of clarity on much there, to be perfectly blunt. Always good to hear from Larry. Uh, I don't know what your takeaways were. I mean, I know you guys are talking about the capital gains tax. That obviously is not something that's going to happen. Right. Um, right. Well, actually, the WeChat questions. Uh, look, the it just once again brought to the fore, David, that the you may want someone else in there to to buy uh, TikTok, but only Microsoft is sophisticated enough to be able to break the stranglehold uh, of the Chinese. David, you said this from day one. This is a coding issue. And the, the people who understand coding who are left are Microsoft. They're going to get it, David. That's it, what I heard. It, well, listen, if they want it, it, it would appear to be the, they're the ones. Uh, if you're bike dance, you're selling this asset, you have on the one hand selling it or having it closed down Shut and getting down. virtually no value. But Obviously, you want to try to create some sense that there are other buyers out there. Um, but as I indicated my question to Larry, I think many are just shying away because it's so uncertain. Right. And you really don't know which How way the administration will go, even if you are in a position. Nah, that's, you know, that's, that's unlikely for any number uh, of reasons. We have to go, David. Um, we got to go. Fun. We got to go. Uh, yeah, but we'll have, we'll have stopped trading from you. We got a lot more to cover here on Squawk in the Streets. Stay with us. Jim, uh, one name we didn't get to in terms of earnings was Lyft. We also had news yesterday, potential news at least, when Derek Khosrow Shahi, Uber's CEO, indicated the possibility of shutting down their service in California, given that judge's ruling. What was your take, though, on the numbers from Lyft and the call? They were both top and bottom were considered to be better than expected. But, David, I, I, I can't look at it like that. I, I think that this is a, a pandemic and in a pandemic. You don't want to go into somebody else's car and you can't do a thing about that. I think Lyft is very well run. But within the context of going in someone else's car, uh, I just don't think it works. By the way, David, remember the excitement uh, uh, was supposed to be with these companies, driverless cars, that that's where the profit margin was yeah. coming. You don't even hear about driverless cars these days. No it, one's talking. You're, you're about so it. right. You're so right. I feel as though you, Carl, and I, we, we would talk about it every day. That's years ago. When you had people saying, I mean, I remember talking to Travis Kalanick, who, of course, the founder of Uber, right. telling me, oh, yeah, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be on the roads. He was looking. We were in New York. He's like, this will I think it. now almost. It was so many years ago. Nothing. He talked Nothing. to me when, when he introduced himself to me and said he was richer than I am, which I thought was an interesting way to start a conversation. Uh, it, I wanted to get the driverless cars, but then he had to go tell my wife that he was richer than I am. And then it just kind of went off the rails. Uh. Uh, Musk called you a simulation. Kalanick told you he was richer than you are. Yeah, you've had some interesting interactions. Why did they There's pick no on doubt. me? 
I'm a sweet, I'm Jimmy Chill. <laughs> they don't know you the way I do, Jim. What can I tell you? Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back right after this. Let's take a look at the laggards in the S&P, led by Cisco far and away. Jim talked about it earlier, of course, after earnings. Concern about the small and medium-sized business customers for the company really uh, taken out of that stock this morning, down over 10%. We're back right with this. Let's squeeze in a stop trading before we hear what's on MAD tonight. Mike Ron. Yeah, there's been a furious rally in semiconductors, and uh, Deutsche Bank decided to just take the steam out of it with this incredible downgrade to hold from buy Micron MU. That can move all the semis down because that's the building block of all semis. David, I've got some interesting things tonight. I've got PayPal, which you know has been just the star of the fintech rally other than Square. Uh, there's a company called uh, Five9, which is probably one of the leaders in terms of contact centers. And then ASIC. People don't know Jesse Singh. Jesse worked for a long time at 3M. ASIC is a, is a, a Mater- composite material. I just have everything in the front of my house done with ASIC. Why? Because it lasts forever to survive nuclear war. It's a wood replacement. Just kidding. It's a wood replacement that is really ideal. And people who know this also know tracks. Let's see what Jesse has to say. Recently came public, and it is great to see you. Uh, yes. Um, you know, it's funny looking at PayPal real quickly here, Jim. I mean, it's it's no, up again. It's, Technology's got a decent bid to it, although the overall market today is certainly weaker than it was yesterday when we had broad based uh, participation. And Micron heard it and Cisco heard it, but not fintech. Don't blame fintech for this decline. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 